Archetypal Tarot Podcast explores universal human patterns, called archetypes, by investigating the major arcana of the ancient tarot. We recognize these archetypes because they are present in our own life stories, myths, and culture. Each card represents a stage of the journey for understanding the greater story of our lives. Welcome to the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. I'm Sandera Quackenbush, a tarot consultant, and I'm here with Julianne Javot. So today we'll be delving into the card number five of the major arcana of the tarot, the Hierophant. So we'll be exploring some a lot of different archetypes with this today and some mythology, so I'm excited to explore this with you, Julianne. Likewise. Let's get going. So um, just to take, uh, at first glance, a look at the card... We have the Hierophant here. He's on a throne, which is kind of some an image we're getting used to in the tarot in these in this first row. We have a lot of big archetypal figures, and that's that's why they're all on thrones. Um, but he's in a, a different setting, and the pillars that are behind him represent this this internal state of affairs, this institution of this religious setting. And, you know, we all look at the Hierophant and we recognize, oh, okay, I'm seeing the Pope here. He's got all of this regalia. He's got the three-tiered crown. He's holding a staff. Um, and he's got one hand raised with the sign of the benediction. So we have some Christian imagery that's coming through here. But as we'll explore, that this figure is something that can stretch across different cultures and, and hold various archetypes. And this is also the first card in which we see other people in the card. Mm -hmm. um, up to this point, we've only seen just one figure. And here in this card, we are seeing some... They, they're, they're rather small, and they're on the bottom side of this card, and they're we don't even see their faces, we're, we're seeing their backs, and they are facing the Hierophant. And below the Hierophant we have a pair of crossed keys, and he's wearing a robe of red. And uh, he's, he looks quite severe, you know, he looks quite into his place. Uh, so once again, that's an exploration of the Rider Waite tarot version. Uh, but it's quite similar to the ancient tarot card coming from France. Uh, so now an exploration of this this card, but what, what are your first reactions to this card, Julian? Uh, I think you made a really good point in, about the last few cards that we've looked at, starting especially with the High Priestess, the Empress, the Emperor. They're all in thrones, or they're all in some sort of, they're seated in some place of honor. And that just strikes me as this, as being part of this journey starting with the fool through the magician that there's this these last four cards uh, these two sets of masculine and feminine on the throne so there's something bigger here this is more it's each of them in a way can kind of pull us away from the simple mundane world the ideas that we've got it's kind of bringing us to a higher level to go hey you know we can take this there's a deeper meaning available and the altar is something of it's the otherness the transcendence of something and I think this um, particular character the the hierophant which is also called the Pope as being a counterpart to the high priestess that we talked about earlier as it being 
um, also set up a little bit higher. There's, there's something more meaningful happening here. There is a relationship of above and below. Mm -hmm. So um, I like that we've just come through the emperor and that, that masculine, and here we are with another masculine set of archetypes to take a look at. And it's interesting that this happens so early in this journey. And it's going, you know, what's what's the big deal here? What's the the true importance? What's the relationship of the sort of upper and lower worlds psychologically and spiritually? So um, I kind of think of the the things on the altars like, wow, these are these are big stages that that are happening. They're important. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, we're seeing this mirror imaging. We've got the the, the high priestess. And then another female, the empress, and then then we're flipping over to this balance side of meeting the emperor and the hierophant. And just as the empress was the human representation of this of the goddess, we have here a human representation of the god. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting. It's a bit later in the deck that we meet the goddess first, kind of true to our development as creatures, right? We, we get to know these mother goddess figures maybe early on in our psychology, and then we're, we're introduced to these masculine sides. And to frame a bit of where we're going with the Hierophant, it's, he's about organization, he's about institution, and about mm -hmm. um, bringing in a sense of tradition and rules, and we need to follow these things to live in the structure of our society or, or any sort of institution that we may become involved with. Again, like, yeah, right, like the, the emperor is a structuring uh, energy, a structuring archetype. The difference I kind of see here is that there's a bigger meaning. Um, and when you think of the, you think of the Pope, right, there's a lot of people are going to have an opinion about what that role means, what that person means. We're looking at this really, really symbolically. And when mm -hmm. I look at the word, um, the, you know, when I think of the Pope and that idea, you think of religion. Symbolically, uh, the meaning of religion comes from, um, I believe it's a Latin word, um, re legare, which means to realign and to, to connect. So in a way, it's a little bit like the word yoga means to yoke. Hmm. It's a bringing mm -hmm. together. And the, the image on the card is of the hierophant with the hand in the benediction, but that's several fingers pointing up and several pointing down. So it's that coming together of, of, of two ideas of the above and the below. If you look at it symbolically, it's not about religion um, necessarily as being dogmatic, but of a, a realigning and, and bringing, bringing things together again and seeing the importance of, of what it is maybe for this, uh, the journey on the day-to-day -day basis, but what's the higher meaning of it? What's the transcendent? And then this character kind of represents the sort of the wisdom in seeing, you know, the both the duality that's present, but also the sort of realigning of the project. So to put this into uh, the terms of how this journey is kind of coming along, we've left the emperor, which is that father king character. And the fool, let's just say the fool's our hero here, making mm -hmm. this journey, they've they've gotten the nurturance of the mother, they've gotten some structuring energy and realized the, the importance of both nurturing and structure. And they're like, right, I'm on my way. But then there's going to be a moment of doubt of like, oh, like, well, what if I fail? What if I lose? 
and you know the fool comes running to, into the the temple or the, to the to the symbolic wise man, which is also part of this the hierophant, mm-hmm. going well. What if you know? What if I fail? What if happens? And the the idea is that this wise person, this masculine um, wisdom carrier, says you know, to look deeper at what's going on. What will you really lose if you fail? What is failure? Do you actually lose anything? And I think that's a really important part of the journey because it's something that we tend, it's a fear that we will hold, but we don't necessarily look at. Or we look at it in a way of like, oh, no, no, I wouldn't want that to happen. Forget it. I'll put that out of my mind. The Hierophant is asking us to to look at that. To go, what will you? What is the true? What is the bigger wisdom? If you go through this process, let's just say, of writing a book, and it isn't the success that you set it out to be exactly, what have you gained and what have you really lost? So I think this is a good point in the journey to to go to a wise person or find that wise person inside you and ask those questions. They can be scary, but they're way less scary once you've asked them and once you've really, really looked at them. Oh, that's nice. So what you're recommending here is, um, so maybe if this card came up in a reading, or maybe even if you were searching for that guidance, you could pull this image out, or or, or any other kind of midge, uh, uh, image that holds the pr- that strong projection mm-hmm. of wise man. Mm-hmm. And you can enter into into an act of imagination or a dialogue with this this figure that you can that you actually hold inside, and draw out this wisdom. Certainly, and um, you know what, I'll just mention this really quickly since I know a lot of our listeners are, are using these podcasts as information for their own lives and to, to apply to whatever it is that they're working on. This archetype and this symbols on the cards, the two columns that you see pretty ubiquitously um, in the images, there's the idea of what what's the wise thing to do. It's the bringing together of two things. There's an exercise that I work with uh, my clients um, just really quickly is draw a line down a page and on the right on the one side write down all the ways that you can handle it badly and then on the other side of the page write down all the ways that you can handle handle it in a wise way whatever your question is and that hmm. again is the it's like the benediction of the three fingers up and the fingers down it's the bringing yeah. together of both and honoring the fact that like you know how you can mess something up you know how you could handle it badly and then making creating a space to look at well here how could i handle this in a wise way and that's again internalizing this archetype um and and working with it in a way that can be helpful to you it's that the true meaning of religion is to bring it together and to realign. So that can be an, um, I think, is a good exercise for this particular stage um, that this archetype represents. This card is about. What a wonderful way to uh, bring the guide in and to uh, and to yeah, you've got the foolish wisdom there, which is being able to. I, I could even see throwing in some you know imaginative ways to mess things up. That that would be quite fun. Mm-hmm. Get, just get those ghosts out of the closet, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> And um, and then once you you do that, then you're able to focus on these. Um, okay, so what? How can I hold this in, in in the best way possible? Absolutely. And so you didn't think of the Pope there, did you? You didn't think of some sort of crusty, sort of character. There's there's a lot there's a lot more I think to this card. When I first sort of thought about it, I was like, oh, the Pope. But yeah. as I really started looking at it archetypally, and it's related to the um, the wise man and the priest, the shaman. Uh, the guru, the messiah, the guide, they're all, I think, pretty inherently related um, to this particular card. Yeah, definitely what we're looking for and what's, the, what's important with this, 
this kind of figure is that we need a strong projection holder. We need uh, a figure that can hold our biggest projections about, okay, who is really, truly supreme and wise and all-knowing or the closest I'm going to get in human form, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we need people that hold that. And, and, and this may be, and also listening to what you felt there with this card, your first reaction is important as well, because mm -hmm. this shows a good way of how the, the cards, especially the classic cards may seem to be kind of dated or we might go, gosh, I, f I feel like I'm, it's bringing up all the reactions I have to religion in general or so forth. And so I think that's an important point to find who is this image holder for mm -hmm. you? Who is it that's wise to you and, and what do they look like? Maybe if you like to draw, you don't have to be an artist, but you could draw it or you could find an image in a magazine and helping to infuse that image on the inside and make it grow. Absolutely. And I think is it's, it's, a, it's an important stage of the journey that, you know, I think the last two characters were really relatable, right? The mother and the father, the king and the queen, really, really relatable. We kind of get to this one and it, it's, a, it's eas a little easier to get lost and to maybe not connect to, you know, what it is. And I think um, one of the reasons is it's the shadow of, of, this, of these archetypes have been really, really damaging and very visible to us. The, the dogmatic and so to get into the shadow of of these archetypes it's that abuse of the role it's the abuse of power it's any religious or spiritual or any leader that says that they've got the whole truth and that everybody who comes to them has to fit within that truth um, it reminds me of there's a there's a myth of uh, called Procrustes where basically uh, Procrustes lived in the mountains in Greece and um, he would invite weary travelers into his home and he would, you know, clean them up and feed them and give them a place to sleep. But when they went to go lie down in the bed, if they didn't fit into the bed, he would either stretch them to fit it or chop part of them off in order to fit that bed. Until one day Theseus came through the mountains and was invited in and then when Procrustes went to try to cut him to fit the bed, uh, Theseus killed him. So this in making the road safe for everybody to come along. So the idea there is that anybody who is, you know, welcoming people in and, 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 you know, teaching them and showing them the way, but also having to basically desecrate their own beliefs or cut part of them off to fit whatever it is they're teaching, that there's something wrong there, that that's the shadow, that you can't just take everyone and fit them into this one small idea. And that, you know, we've seen that happen with um, the easiest examples are, are these are religious teachers who've led their people astray. You know, the David Koresh, the things that happened in South America in the 70s. And the I mean, just really horrific leading people, you know, saying that they've got the one one truth and and leading them to, you know, all kinds of things. And right. And mass and, suicide. And I mean, and, and that's, yeah, cutting everything off. right? Cutting, yeah, exactly. <laughs> cutting the life off um, very directly. And those are, of course, gosh, the true and the worst case scenarios. And I'm also interested in how it is that we, we are living this, um, even outside of religion, mm -hmm. um, just by engaging in, in institutions. So whenever we've got a rigid uh, code of rules and, and or a way that's professional or a way that we need to be, 
what what is it that we cut off to fit into these forms and it, it feels like a very loud voice like this is the way we do things here and when you come in and when we show you the ways of the business world or whatever then we, we have to cut off so much of our little quirks and and our personalities creativity oftentimes mm -hmm. to, to fit the mold sure you see it in the corporate you see it in you know corporate structures and business structures where they're like this is acceptable that's not acceptable um, sort of that's the flip side of the, the potential dogma that can come up with this with these archetypes or it's like this is you know it's my way or the highway you know this is the way it is and, and people will whether they want to or not kind of lop off part of who they really are in order to kind of fit in and I think that's the danger of this card is, is uh, and what it can be good for as a stage is to kind of take a look take a look at what what are what is the overarching structure I'm trying to put myself in mm -hmm. and can I maintain my own my sense of self and that the sense of self in the highest order is is that quintessence is that essence of the self and can I maintain that within the structures that are here or do I just need to be aware ooh am I going to be selling myself out with it and uh, you know finding finding the wise person within or an actual wise person to yeah, and that's a great with. point about this card, too, is, um, and it's the card number five, and so with the five, we have, it's a very human number, it symbolizes the human, because of these five points, we've got the four limbs, and the, the head at the top, so we've got the five points, and and so we're, as a human being, we're having to enter into a realm with other human beings, so this is the card, once again, where we've got more people in the room, right, mm -hmm. and so when... And what is the reason we have these rules and regulations, right? And the reason we have to learn them before we break them is because we live in a world with other people, right? And so we're like, okay, well, we all have to agree on some certain things to make everything work and run. And so what what are those codes? Um, and so, yes, I, it is such a, it, it's such an essential, like, necessary evil sort of thing yeah it, it's so it's such a difficult element like having to create rules it's, it's such a I, I could feel this the fool as the hero coming into this for the first time and, and really kind of being a little <laughs> yeah like what <laughs> I'm in the room with all these other people what about my bliss and my journey and you know what I gotta abide by these rules now you know but it must felt very jarring and yet it's an essential step of the road for him to learn what what are the ways that people have lived and are living it's I, I think that's a really really good point especially in terms of it being relation it's it's relationship um, in all of these archetypes what are they in relationship within and how how is that archetype in relationship reacting and 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 coming coming upon rules for anything makes one look at you know oh you know oh I'm not the only one in the room here and and I think in terms of an organization and a leader and having having a wise person as a leader is, is always understanding what is what is serving what are those rules and rituals and ideas what are those traditions serving um, and that's you know traditions can kind of they can keep a, a nice little throughput like family traditions and things like that. They can have a throughput of, of connection back and forth through through time and, you know, this is the way grandmother did this or grandfather did this. And, you know, it can be important, but it also brings up the point that we can question them and how can we keep the idea, the spirit of something and not have to do the same thing 
um, over and over. So. You know what's interesting, as, as you talk about this, the film that comes to mind to me is the um, Dead Poets Society with mm. uh, Robin Williams. Remember in the beginning, there there's a big ceremony welcoming the new students, I believe, and that they're walking down with these big poles, banners that say uh, tradition and rule. No, they don't say rules, but it, it, I remember the word mm -hmm. tradition in there. And, and it's this really wonderful upscale sort of school that's been following a way of doing things for a long time. And I think a big exploration in that film was like, why should we read these white dead guys but they find a lot of meaning in there mm -hmm. if they're beautiful and yet they're they're kind of busting out and wanting to create a new way of learning that's what Robin Williams as the teacher does right absolutely yeah he's I mean he's a lover and a rebel and a teacher but what he was trying to bring I think to the to the students in the film is is the heart you know what what you know the the archetype of the lover like the the arrows the moving out and the the appreciation of things and he's you know a wise man in and of himself mm -hmm. and that yeah that is I think it's a good it's a good card to kind of this card and that movie have there's a relationship in there of, of what what traditions are important and he brought his own sort of underground tradition in the movie he they belonged to what was called the Dead Poets Society and it was this underground um, uh, tradition that had been you know basically had died out when he left the school but when he came back to teach he brought it back and that's a really important kind of thing to look at. And so the relationship of uh, the Hierophant and tradition and this being part of the journey is that is that looking at things again, you know, not to just sort of toss things aside, but to kind of like, how does this fit into the larger conversation of of the world? And also what's, you know, looking again at wisdom and finding and following that wisdom. And so we have, you know, the the priest and the shaman, the guru and the guide, and looking at looking at that. You also mentioned the, um, the numerology, the five. I think of the five senses, too. Mm, and that, again, mm -hmm. is very, very human. Mm -hmm. um, and so this, this uh, stage of the journey is bringing things together um, and seeking wisdom mm -hmm. and, and in the same way that we talked about the priestess, too. Uh, this is the sort of masculine version of that. Um, and we talked about the shadow... Did we... Oh, we haven't... Do, should we talk about films and the way we've seen this in the culture? Yeah, sure. We're uh, heading in that direction. We did mention uh, the real-life example of, of David Koresh and the Branch Davidians and things like that. And when I was looking around for, ooh, who are big, you know, sort of shadow characters, I thought about, you know, any, any sort of uh, preacher, man or woman, who's really just set themselves up to be the voice of God. You know, they're the Messiah, they've got the way, and only their way, and they've set up rigid rules. So anybody out in the culture that we see doing that, we would see as sort of the, the shadow hierophant. Um, and in films, I came up with some interesting ones. Paul Dano, who's a, a young actor in There Will Be Blood, it's kind of, I mean, he's very, very vehement and fiery, and, uh, you know, he kind of preaches that his is the only way, and this is the way. That was an interesting character. Also, Tom Cruise in the film Magnolia. It's from 1999. Interesting character. So Worship the cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we can't. Have, we have to have an explicit rating on our podcast. But anyway, so he's, he is essentially this guru. I just this... broke a big institutional rule. <laughs> oh, it's in Daryl, right? So if you see this film, you'll notice that Tom Cruise is 
really proselytizing this very sort of masculine, here's how to get a woman, and he is very much this character, this sort of guru guide, you know, pretty much in the shadow, really arrogant, where basically his own ego has taken over any connection to anything transcendent. Um, so that was an amusing one. Um, I'll also mention, it's a really old movie, but it's very, very good. It's called The Night of the Hunter. It's from 1955, and it's Robert Mitchum, and that's all I'm going to say about that. So if you see the movie, you will certainly see the shadow of the of the archetypes, as well as the uh, archetype of the father. Um, and so for the light aspect, this one is the best. Yoda. When I, and I actually found a tarot card that someone had done of the Hierophant that had Yoda with a Pope hat on and the, <laughs> the mitre, and really, That's for the priestess, I know I mentioned the, um, the oracle from the Matrix, and I also see Yoda as, you know, he's a teacher, but he's also that wise man, you know, he's the one who knows, and he's, you know, he's a guide throughout. Uh, ben Kingsley in Gandhi. That's a really good example of that. The the mm. spiritual leader, the one who who yokes together the the aspirations of of the almost egoic aspirations of man with the higher aspirations of something divine or something transcendent. Um, Pat Morita also in as Mr. Miyagi in Karate Kid, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne himself uh, or as Morpheus in The Matrix is very much the priest and the wise man. So if you're out there looking for examples in our culture, I think those are some pretty good ones. And uh, on my website at archetypist.com, I'll, I'll post a little list of all the ones that I've seen out there. And if anyone wants to comment on it or recommend ones that they find, that would be great, too. All right. So, Julian, um, maybe to wrap up uh, the main points of the Pope card, the Hierophant, uh, what, what can you say about this card collectively? So as a stage of a journey, I think this card, this, uh, these archetypes are just a reminder um, that there is the presence of a, um, a transcendent moment or a deeper purpose, that, that that is available. So as the fool's going on through there and finding out all these really, really important patterns, these archetypes that are available to them, and as a stage that there is this masculine character, this wise man within all of us, whether you're a man or a woman, that that, that character, part of their job and part of this stage is is as a reminder of, of, of what is the earthly goal of this, what is the higher goal of it. Also too, what are, what are the good traditions? What are the good disciplines that, um, that can be present for us to support us on our journey? Mm -hmm. And that the, there's, the wisdom is always present. And so that exercise that I mentioned of like, you know, how can I do this poorly or how can I do this the wrong way and how can I do this with wisdom is just a reminder that I think that's a part of all of us and that this, this the journey of the major arcana of the tarot, each stage has a reminder for us. And I think that's an important one for us is that we do have, you know, that wisdom within us and that as, as it being something that's masculine, that that wisdom um, is... Uh, creating structure for us, but also it's a holder. You know, it, it, it holds that wisdom for us and that that's important before we get on to the next stage of the journey, which I think is going to be a fascinating one to talk about in um, a couple weeks. We'll be putting that out, and that's the archetypes of the lovers. lovers. Oh, my goodness. Yes, going from the Pope to the lovers. That's that's quite a fun shift, you know. It's almost as if after, after all those rules and learning the institution and all this wisdom, 
Let's go out and get laid. <laughs> this is our NC-17 podcast this time. Who knew? And it was the Pope. <laughs> I, I think the Pope just brings this out of me. What, what, what can I do? Um, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us, Julianne. Likewise, Sendero. This is always some fun. And so if you want more information about what we do... Uh, we will be doing a podcast a little bit more about um, our particular practices, so look for that one coming soon. Uh, but Sendera's website is www.tarotdreamstone.com. And mine is archetypist.com. That's A R C H E T Y P I S T. And if you have any comments or questions for us, please share them. Send an email to atpodcast at archetypist.com. Thanks a lot for listening. Thank you for joining us for the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. For more information on Sundara's work, please visit her website, tarotdreamstone.com. For more information on Archetype Consulting, visit archetypist.com. That's A-R-C-H-E-T-Y-P-I-S-T.com. Thanks for listening.